I'm Derek Thompson, the host of the podcast, Plain English. We tackle technology, politics, culture, history, everything that's happening in the world and why it matters. New episodes of Plain English drop every Tuesday and Friday on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm right, thanks, man. How are you? Very well indeed. Very well indeed. Ha <laughs> ha. What? Why are you laughing? I'm just I'm just great. I'm just happy to see you, Ryan. <laughs> Can't catfish a catfish. <laughs> That's true. Actually, one of the reasons I am happy, uh, we'll get into this after the admin, but watching the Champions League, mm. it was so calm. It was like it was like going to like, yeah, it was. No, go on. No, no, because I've got a take on this. There I was like something it. about watching like exceptional technique, like Real Madrid, Liverpool, particularly the first half of that game. And I was like, this is like going to like a really amazing, like classical music concert, like the Royal Albert Hall, you know, some kind of like, or like the Royal Festival Hall. It just felt really calming and like elegant and chill. And like, I was like, yeah, yeah this it is. Felt like a Steve Wright gig. Oh, this piece is, only has four elements and goes on for 25 minutes and bits gradually coming in and out. And I love that. No, I love yeah, that. Cool. <laughs> There's I a love studio that. does called a piano phase, which is which are two pianos playing the same melody, but one's playing it ever so slightly faster. So gradually it goes out of phase and oh comes back God, in. Oh my God, I love music like that. I kind, of felt, I kind of felt like Real Madrid and Liverpool, actually. It was like a... Like it, it, was ne- like a- never, never, it never truly fell apart, but it ever so slightly went out of phase for a little bit and then came back in. Right, I was watching going... Why am I feeling so chill all of a sudden? Like, beautiful. Anyway. One for the contemporary classical hands. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it was just some admin. Sorry. Week by week, we pull ourselves further away from the chance of ever being big. <laughs> we fall, fall farther from God's light. <laughs> Oh dear. Anyway, oh. we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well. Oh, they knew what this was. Sorry. Yes, I hope you're well. Yes, everyone. Yeah, yeah. We hope you've all had a better week than Pep, who can't even enjoy a 7-0 win because he was thinking about that time Julia Roberts went to watch Manchester United. <laughs> Poor Pep, man. Pep's in it, like, Pep's wearing a black roll neck, talking about how one of his idols, that he will, it, no, basically nothing matters anymore because one of his idols went to watch Manchester United. He's in a certain phase, like, isn't he? He's going through it. I swear I've had a coffee with this guy in Berlin. <laughs> the only thing that was missing was 
some thick rimmed glasses and an earring. And he was there. And like maybe like a, a beaten up copy of like some Kerouac. I mean, we've been talking about musicians earlier. You know, like it's one of those moments where like a mid-career musician sends an album to his A&R that the A&R doesn't understand. <laughs> it's like, Basically. what have you been listening to? <laughs> you know, it's like randomly, if you're just in a, you're, you're right, man. I was like, ah, oh, you know, I think this has all happened to someone at once in Berlin in a cafe or something. When you just strike up a conversation randomly with someone who's not long arrived in Berlin. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. like, yeah. So what, oh, how come you came to Berlin? Well, basically, I was actually regarded as one of the greatest football managers of all time. And then it all changed. But Julia <laughs> Roberts went to watch Manchester United instead of Manchester City, and I just couldn't deal with it anymore. So basically, I just thought, you know what? Like, fuck this. I basically I packed a suitcase, and I just... I, a I, one-way I, ticket. I found, a, I found a, a, an apartment. <laughs> and no, I came here. No one knows my name here. I went straight to Shakespeare and Sons because it said it had books and bagels, two of my favourite things. And I'm just sitting here like, gazing out the window into Warschauerstrasse in the rain. Trying to find meaning. Watching all the dogs. <laughs> that is a short film. <laughs> <laughs> Sad pep in Berlin. Really, that is a short... There's going to be memes of that now. <laughs> People are going to start photoshopping sound-looking managers all over Berlin. Yeah. Please send us your... Fo- no, they won't send us too Pep's many. Pep's moving to Berlin to launch his art career. <laughs> You find him in a gallery three years later and all of a sudden you're like, do you realise who this guy is? And all the fine art people don't know who he is. No. There you <laughs> go. That's, that was the energy Pep was giving this week. The Pep was giving, I've had enough, I'm going to move to Berlin energy. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, uh, we, was, we were doing some admin, right? We were, we were. Uh, well, we've already said that we hope everyone's staying safe and well and better than Pep. And uh, even which is weird because he won 7-0. But anyway, we he hope did, you're, yeah. all, you're all good. Righty's house on Friday will be Mayowa and I in the studio. Mm. With Ian. And it's going to be a good vibe show. Lovely. So good vibes is, what movies or music do you turn to when you need some good vibes? Because Ian and I were having a conversation yesterday and he was just like, when I'm looking for good vibes, I go to this. And I'm like, we can all use some good vibes. Do you know, I've, I've made an entire Spotify playlist, which basically, I, I basically, Ryan, that's so funny. I put this uh, playlist together in the depths of winter. And the idea was that every single song elevates you out of a bad place. So the idea was that like, even in like a winter, it feels like summer when you're listening to it. But I literally specifically designed a podcast for that purpose and it, it, it works. It always works. So if you want to let us know a movie or a tune that you turn to for some good vibes, mm. just tweet at Righty's House on Twitter. Uh, we'll be recording that about 9.30 a.m. Love on that. Friday. Love that concept. We will also be talking maybe a little bit about some football, mm-hmm. I imagine, because yep. there's Europa League tonight. Yep. And um, some admin for next week. Mm. So, Moose is away. I so am. on Monday, we're, we're, after we're recording this show now, the Thursday show, we're going to record a couple of shows that will go out next week while you're away. One of them is a mailbag, and one of them will be a little fun 11. Actually. Yes, yes, yes. Um, we won't tell you what, and please don't ask us any more questions because we would have already recorded it by the time you hear this. <laughs> but also, because of Monday, mm. and you won't be here, yep. on the stadio, I might, I might record a little, a little monologue of just some newsworthy stuff that happened in the weekend. Love it. Call it the, uh, the honologue. <laughs> oh, just to fill in any gaps that we need to, but... Ian and I will be doing Writer's House, so basically we'll just cover the stuff that we would have missed on Stadio, and that'll go up Tuesday. That's great. And we'll also be talking a little bit about the Villeneuve-Peroni documentary that's going to be on 
Sky on Sunday night. So if you fancy watching that and then listening to us talk about that. So yeah, I think that's all the admin. So today let's do some Champions League and we might touch on the, the US the soccer report. report. Yeah, the US soccer report into the ongoings between Rainer and Bahalta. Um, mm. Very unsavory business that. Yeah, we'll get into that. Also, there were some other games this week. Brighton being Palace 1 0, thanks to another goal from Solly March, who he's having a hell of a season, Solly March. Solly March for England. That's what I say. Uh, Brentford beating Southampton as well 2 0 at St. Mary's. Ivan Tony opening the scoring and then uh, a late, late second for Johan Wiese. Southampton in more trouble, but another impressive win for Brentford. Uh, um, I just want to shout out yep. Violet, yep. who pulled off probably the most remarkable CONCACAF Champions League result in history. They eliminated Austin FC 3-2 on aggregate, having beaten them 3-0 in the first leg, which was played in a neutral venue in the Dominican Republic, Violetta from Haiti. Um, This was due to violence, ongoing violence in Haiti and them not being allowed to host home games there. And the Haitian League being suspended indefinitely. For the away leg at Austin, the second leg, they only had three players on the bench because their squad was depleted due to uh, a number of their players not being granted visas for the game. And they managed to survive a bit of of a footballing onslaught from Austin, uh, full strength Austin side. They managed to hold it to 2-0 and they are the only side from the Caribbean into the quarterfinals. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. This is an absolutely incredible result for Violet. So massive shout out to them, all the players, all the staff, and best of luck with them for the rest of the Champions League. So exciting. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. All right, before we go into the good stuff of the Champions League, did you, uh, did you happen to catch Gianni Infantino? Oh my goodness. Comparing his 
his journey back. as FIFA presidency to Rwanda's recovery post-genocide. I mean, that is an analogy that dated badly the moment it, the moment it left his lips, isn't it? Uh, I mean, I said in our, in our WhatsApp group, I'm actually surprised he didn't lay down a, uh, a plan to run for Rwandan president while he was there. I mean, the only reason he didn't is because he doesn't like contested elections. So, you know. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 fucking, <laughs> yes, Musa, fucking get him. God, I love it when Musa goes there. Um, I mean, we could spend some time talking about this, but I don't think we need to. Just a clown show. A clown show. Should we talk Champions League? Let's do it. Uh, let's start with Napoli 3, Eintracht 0. Mm. Napoli going through 5-0 in aggregate. Victor Osimhen again with a brace. Big, big time. Uh, uh, the, mean, first, the first is an unbelievable header from a standing start. Politano. Look, I, that was pretty much a full strength Napoli. Mm. Um, I love that front three. Quaratscalia, Osimhen, Politano. Such great balance. And just so much the way, the, the way that Napoli break you down, the way they just get the ball in and around, hammer the ball into feet. I know I've com- made, compared them with Brighton, but actually the way they move the ball around, it's very similar. Um, great cross from, from, from uh, Politano and that, that climb for that header. That's Kevin Trapp in goal. I know. It's <laughs> Kevin Trapp and he was yeah. absolutely helpless. Osimhen always does, he does something new in every game, whether it's like a technical thing, whether it's a flash of speed, whether it's... Um, just the physicality of that leap that makes you just go, my God, any, any team where he ends up next as a nine, or no, look, put it this way, but put it better. He could play as nine for any team in world football at this point. The way he's Why move at the moment? Yeah, no, oh God, well, Jesus, why would you leave there? But anyway. He, he's genuinely amazing. I, mean, I, I loved the two goals from this because I thought there was just such contrast. The movement for the second one, even though it's a tap-in, he's just, what's that, 20, 23, 23, now. 23 for the season? Yeah, in all competitions, yeah. And, and the thing that I love about this Napoli side, which they have had in the past, they had it that season under Sarri when they really made a run for the league. Mm. But I, it feels like they have the technicality that, that that squad had, but all of them are like more physically imposing. Yes. And ridiculous depth too. Yeah. Yeah. The depth and the way that they spread the responsibility of creativity in attack, mm. it kind of feels a little bit like playing whack-a-mole with them at the moment. Yeah. It's just like absolutely. if you shut Kravatskelia down, all of a sudden you have Politano playing. You've got Elmas, you've got Lozano, you've got Raspadori, Simeone. Yeah. Oh. But then you bring off the bench, Simeone, and then Dombele. Ridiculous. It's in ridiculous. the last 20, 20 minutes or so. Unreal. It's just... This team can win the whole thing. They really can. They really actually, can. I felt like this... This felt a little bit like a statement victory. Yeah. Actually. Or a statement tie. They I need to say. treat it like... You know, Napoli to treat this like their last chance saloon. Mm. because I think it's the last, ch- the last time they'll have this whole collection of players together, this entire squad. They need to treat it as this could be one and done. Mm. And actually, there is absolutely... Like if Napoli don't win the Champions League, they should be disappointed. That needs to be the headspace they go yeah. in, the way they're playing. Um, just some quick stuff off the field. Yeah. Oh Green my God. Scenes. That is brutal. Horrible, yeah, yeah, yeah. horrible clash. So the context, Eintracht uh, Frankfurt fans were not allowed into the stadium. Mm. Um, because of safety concerns. And this was announced before the game. Having said that, hundreds of Eintracht fans still travelled to Naples. Obviously, we're not allowed into the stadium. Mm. There were some clashes between them and Napoli Ultras earlier in their visit. And then footage, which many will have seen already on social media, of them engaged in basically a confrontation with the police, with the local police. 
which I mean, ended up the police retreating it into was their vans bad. and driving off. So yeah, that was um, it was bad. Uh, there's a great piece that Matt Ford did for DW about around this, um, mm. and there's, I'll, I'll read a bit. Of, Home clubs are obliged to offer five percent of total stadium capacity to supporters of the visiting team. So Eintracht were therefore entitled to sell two thousand seven hundred tickets to their supporters for the game. However, following an untimely, uh, sorry, an ultimately unsuccessful series of legal challenges, Eintracht opted to reject their ticket allocation altogether and cancel the charter planes. Um, so leaving the team to overturn a two 0 first leg defeat without supporters. Um, and this is basically because of a load of legal wranglers with the Italian authorities mm. about fears of violence because of the first leg. Mm. Um, they were allowed, they were old, there was some weird thing where you were allowed to enter the stadium in the home end as long as you could prove that you didn't have a residential event uh, address in Frankfurt. Wow. Uh, very, very messy. Even Seferin got involved there was a quote from him saying, we have to say that when something like this happens, then we simply don't play. It's quite simple. We'll change the rules. We have to do something urgently because this decision by the Italian authorities is absolutely not correct. Pretty sad end for Eintracht, considering yeah. that they won the Europa League and this was their reward. Considering also that when they played Rangers in the final, mm. that whole thing went off just fine. Pretty bleak that this is the outcome. There is footage of... Um, Buses being attacked as they came in. There is footage of all mm. of that. But, but at the same time, it's like the level that was taken to is just, yeah. I mean, everyone can see the footage themselves. That, um, mm. It's bad news all around. But um, Napoli through. Yeah. Yeah. As are Real Madrid. Yes. Who put in a very sensible performance against Liverpool. As soon as Real Madrid saw out that opening half an hour, it was kind of it. Oh my God. They looked, Real Madrid looked amazing for some stretches. When I say amazing, what I mean is like the confidence Tony Cruz was playing with, he looked mm. about, it's a bit of a cliche, he looked about 10 years younger. Mm. Watching the advanced positions they took on that pitch, and I, I think I tweeted this, you see how much confidence they have in Kamavinga, who was mm. spectacular. He was absolutely spectacular. They could not, what's that like, that, that boxing, there's, there's, and there's cliche boxing movies where the person is swinging at the person he's sparring with and the person's like not even put his guard up. He's just like ducking back with his head and they can't lay a glove on him. Kamavinga was spectacular in this game and he had to be because they started this game really fast, Liverpool. And Real almost realised, you know, in order to like go with this, we can't absorb them. We've got to go toe-to-toe with them. We've got to match them. And this was, I was kind of, the hipster was hoping it'd be nil-nil. Mm. So I could then go away and say, that's the best nil-nil draw I've seen all season. The quality of some of the football in this game, just individually. Mo Salah was really on a kind of like slightly vengeful mission early on after the way that Nacho shut him down. So he really went at Nacho early in a brilliant, you know, brilliant run down the flank. But there was but, that one chance from Nunez in what, six, after six minutes mm, that um, Salah creates. Yes. And that, I feel... That's the one, isn't it? In hindsight, that's the, that's the turning point of the whole game. It is, I agree. Because if Nunez puts that away... Six minutes in, Liverpool got a goal back. You got a two-goal deficit and it's on. Yes, very much so. No away goals. So Straight shootout. And yep. that's, I mean, it wasn't exactly a clear cut, but that was that's the ball one game. that if you think, yeah. Salah got the ball slightly caught under his feet. He should have pushed it on and maybe taken it himself. But the moment he played in uh, Nunez, you thought this is, this is one. It, was, it wasn't the easiest chance, mm. but it's one that you you have to score to give yourself a chance. Mm. And thereafter, yeah, Modric, Kamavinga, Kroos, um, 
Vinicius grew into the game. I don't think he started the best, but there's a funny thing with Vinicius, which is that the thing about the Real Madrid team is they all trust each other, right? Even mm-hmm. when Carvajal is playing slightly weird back passes, they trust Carvajal. And the thing they trust with Vinicius is interesting because he's so good at one-on-one situations that very often you'll see him like run up against three or four players and he won't have a passing option mm. because his teammates trust him to just get out of trouble. But you'll see it very often. He'll have the ball in the corner, two, three men like occupying, be occupying two, three men. And then someone like Cruz will jog over after a few seconds because generally speaking, they're like, well, you're good enough to beat someone and beat two of them and then play a ball out from there. Mm. Um, but yeah, he, he became devastating over the course of the game and he really imposed himself on, on Trent. After about 20 minutes, you just saw the balance shifting. Nacho became, by the end, Nacho was basically wrestling Salah off the ball and all over the pitch, Real Madrid just winning the kind of, winning the arm wrestle, it felt. Yeah, it felt inevitable. It did, didn't actually. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought Trent played really well, actually. There was a couple of blocks he made defensively, which were I thought he was, was good. So I thought good. he was good. I just thought Real, um, you know. Yeah, Real, Real Madrid just, they, all they needed to do was manage the game, mm. get out of there with no drama. The only drama, dramatic thing slightly was Benzema going off with that um, uh, ankle issue after mm. the goal. Mm. But He worked really th- hard, actually, Benzema. Yeah, he did. I just wonder whether that's something they've got to keep an eye on because they, do you remember last season when they lost they lost him at a couple of points Yeah, and they really struggled to to look as dangerous. I think the season's a bit different, but still, um, you know, it's the classic on, on the weekend. I think them struggling in the league actually really helps them in the, uh, in the Champions League. We've seen this before from Real. When mm. they don't quite have anything to play for domestically, they come back really strong in Europe. Mm. And they look like potential winners. If you consider the form, I know that Liverpool lost 1-0 to Bournemouth, but if you consider the form Liverpool have been showing, obviously the 7-0, to handle Liverpool like this, it, that, I mean, you talk about statements, this was definitely one of them. Do you think they'll win it again? I saw this and I just thought, I see absolutely no reason why not. It all depends on the draw, doesn't it? It's such a it boring does. answer, but it really does it's all depend matchups. on the draw. It's all matchups, yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, like the way that Napoli played against uh, Eintracht this tie, you'd just be like... They're beating oh, anyone. Why yeah. would you want to play them? Yeah, it's horrible. But again, yeah. they might come up against Man City and not have hardly any of the ball. Yeah, right, exactly. So how do they adapt to that? Because they're used to having quite a lot of the ball now this season. Mm. Real Madrid, I think they're probably the only side in the whole competition who doesn't, I wouldn't say doesn't fear anyone, but maybe just doesn't care about who they play. And that's right. That's completely right. And that's not saying that they're the best side in the competition, but it's just, they've been there and done it so many times and they just don't care. Actually, a quick shout for Rudiger, who looks like he's been at Real for like five years. He was colossal yesterday. Oh, just, he's amazing, man. He's ah, amazing. Ah, I ah. love, I love Tony Rudiger. Just like, the absolute best, yeah. He's just great. He's so good. Um, for Klopp, he was one of two Liverpool bookings. Klopp is one of the people that's more scary when he smiles than when he's obviously angry. Klopp arguing with officials on the touchline while smiling is one of the most frightening <laughs> things in football. But yeah, um, I can't believe that VAR season. check took so long, by the way. The penalty at the end. Oh, yeah. ridiculous, ridiculous. What's that about? Yeah, yeah. So outrageous. I love the friendship between him and Ancelotti. He even said, yeah. he said, because we were having a chat um, about the, the terrible penalty decision against Leipzig, um, RB Leipzig, 
for Man City in the previous nights. So we're talking about that and just going like that can yeah. get given, anything can get given. Uh, let's talk about that and some. Oh, before we do go, uh, a nice touch from uh, yeah, Real Madrid yeah, to play. Yeah. You'll never walk alone at the end. Um, this was apparently uh, as a gesture of thanks to Liverpool for their support following the death of Madrid honorary president Amancio Amaro before the first leg. Phil Kitchen Malidis from the Spanish Football Podcast tweeted that out with with a really lovely video of um, some Real Madrid fans applauding the Liverpool fans. And likewise, it just seemed because at first it was a bit confusing, and then actually, when when you hear about why it, why it happened, it was actually, yeah. it was actually it's lovely. really lovely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, nice touch. All right, man. Let's go to Manchester City seven brackets seven seven. <laughs> RB Leipzig nil. Yes. Erling Haaland gets five and then gets taken off. Sneaky, <laughs> sneaky <laughs> emo pet. <laughs> Too sad that Julia Roberts went to watch Manchester United that no one else can have any good things. Pep doesn't want people living life too much, though. If you think about... If I can't meet my idol, <laughs> you can't score a double hat trick. I think, you know, Pep is trying to manage egos, isn't he? If you think just about- like, what? If you, sc- if you score a double hat trick in- this season and you break the goal-scoring record for a single player for a Man City- in a Man City season and you win the league and... You- oh, God. I just realised who they're going up against in the league. <gasps> Yeah, right. If you win the league and the Champions League or the Champions League and you get a double hat-trick in the, like, the quarterfinal, no, what is it, this, uh, round 16, what is there left to play for? It's like that quote Erling. from Alexander the Great, how Alexander the Great wept because he had no more worlds to conquer at just like 23. It's like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that. And I think, I think actually, you know, joking aside, I think that Pep is trying to make sure that his players are still hungry and you don't allow someone like Holland to remain hungry or you can't risk it if you let him just fill his boots. You see it at the mm. end talking to the, uh, the BT Sport lot. I saw the interview on, on YouTube and he was saying how I wanted the double hat trick and Pep was thinking, that's exactly why I took you off. Yeah, That needs to be a thing for you because Aguero never got six for Man City. Uh, Messi got five um, in the Champions League against German opposition as well, against I think Leverkusen. Um, so Pep in the back of his mind is is playing kind of a mind game there, actually. Um, but so in this game, obviously the headlines for Hall and we'll get to him in a second, but De Bruyne was interesting because pre-match, Pep had talked about De Bruyne lacking a bit of dynamism, not doing the I simple things. I well. quite wild. I, I didn't, I didn't, because it's a bit like, you know, Greg Popovich or Tim Duncan, about mm. when you have an ex- established veteran who's so good, who's outspoken, you're almost like, you're almost... There's, there's two things going on. First, that's to motivate De Bruyne and also it's a message to rest the dressing room going, if I can do this to De Bruyne, I can do it to all of you. Yeah. Right? And I know that De Bruyne can take it because actually De Bruyne is like really outspoken. I think he is actually the kind of person, you see his interviews with The Guardian or The Observer, I think it was, he is actually someone I think who responds really well mm. to that very direct feedback because he's a direct person himself. And he was like, he was incredible against RB Leipzig. It will be lost. Because Leipzig was so bad, Mm. the quality of this performance by De Bruyne and City will be lost I think but he was dude the left foot strike he hit the crossbar with for Haaland's second is how many footballers oh, we can didn't strike? mention Camavinga's one off the bar either oh, in the Real Madrid game which is wild saved by Alisson Alisson keeping the score down tell you oh that. yeah because he flicked it onto the bar doesn't he yeah. sorry my oh, bad my God. Yeah. yeah but still what, what an unbelievable um, save yeah. but really how many footballers how many players in world football like it's a, sh- it's a short list can strike the ball that well with either foot. 
I mean, <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne's goal. We had a, we actually had a question about this. Uh, Pete Buscini, shouts to Pete, long time standing yes, listener. Yes, yes. Pete said, has there been a more man in his 30s who is tired and just wants to go home celebration than KDP's on Tuesday? <laughs> can, I, can I be honest with you? I think this was, this was a passive aggressive goal. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was deeply, it's, that's the subsection of angry goal, passive aggressive. It was like, are you not entertained? Yeah. Is that good enough for you, Pep? I've done this, I've done that, ball off the bar, and now I just rip one top corner. Gorgeous goal, spectacular performance um, from De Bruyne, but we have to get back to Holland because these goals, the anticipation is, so, so I saw him trying to break down his goals at the BT Sport afterwards. And he said, yeah, it was just instinct. It was speed of thought. But actually, like, he doesn't do himself credit. His second goal in particular blew my mind because that was not pressing Ryan. That was hunting. Mm. Hunting. He hunted down a fullback, then the keeper, then he won a 50-50 for the header, then he's on the end of it. I don't think I've ever seen a footballer in the lead up to a goal have four separate like, defensive actions like mm. that, of that intensity. It's absolutely absurd. That is hunting, not pressing. Um, and then he makes it look simple with the tap-in, but then you, if, if you only see the tap-in, you'll be like, oh, like, oh, Holland tapped in. But actually you step back and think, he disorientated, he deconstructed an entire build-up. It's unreal. Like the goalkeeper hits a panicked clearance. Yeah. The goalkeeper basically like panics and slashes it clear. That's unreal. He's now scored against that, against um, Leipzig 11 times in six matches. Mm. Feasting on them. Yeah, some people just love playing other people. They really do. Sounds like Benzema. No player has scored more Champions League goals against Liverpool than Benzema. I think it's seven. Mm. Some clubs, people just have a thing against them. Um, but yeah, but Holland, brilliant in this game. Positioning, movement, just the absolute real deal. I mean, he is an amazing striker. And at the he's breaking Champions League records for milestones in terms of goals. Mm. I think I've said it before, but there are a couple of players whose whose entire legacy rests on just goal scoring, yeah. like records. They're the kind of players who fear Holland's career more than anything because he's. I think he's going to obliterate a load of goal scoring records for people, oh, and he's right. going to him and Mbappe are going to shift goal scoring again mm. further. What are they going to do about that? You know, like in the golf. I don't know if you've seen it this week. We might talk about it in Writers House a little bit, but they've announced a proposal to change for, to introduce a local rule to play with certain golf balls that don't go as far because players are hitting it too far. They make the hole smaller as well. For something, <laughs> basically, for like for certain competitions, you can implement a, a local rule, which means you have to play a certain regulation of golf ball, which doesn't travel as far as the current golf balls. Wow. Because they're just hitting it, they're hitting it out of sight. You know, maybe they'll change the football to, I don't know, it'll be like a, a full-size futsal ball. <laughs> Did we mention the penalty? Only what, the one on Henrik's? No, only in passing. But it was a an awful decision. I think it was Peter Walton. The voice of Peter Walton popped up on, on BT Sport and he was just like, if the referee sees the angle that we're seeing now, it's definitely a penalty. And I was like, mm. why am I looking at this, the same angle and being like, this is definitely not a penalty? Because he's not a referee. <laughs> that was big straight white guy energy, wasn't it? <laughs> Talking about an area that he has zero expertise in and being like, no, no, you're doing it wrong, mate. Well, in your defence, the look of disbelief on everyone's face and poor Henrik's. Like, I, I know RB Leipzig did not offer much opposition and they will be back in the Champions League most likely ne next year. But the point is, 
crucial moment of the game. Right, exactly. The punishment for the crime is unbelievable. Mm. How are you yeah. supposed to jump in the air or challenge for a ball in the box without your arms being up or out? And if the, your arm is behind you and it takes a glance off an opposition head and then goes onto your hand, what the fuck are you supposed to do Couldn't about even that? see it. And he couldn't even see it. He, he turns around almost like, oh my God, I've given a penalty. Like, how is that but even? Like, how is it? Brushing a hand when you're in the air away from goal, it's not going towards the goal. It's definitely not deliberate. Yeah. Manchester City were going to win that game. They right. were going to win the game. This has nothing to do with Man City not deserving with a lot, it. Man with a lot City, to spare. absolute. Manchester City, this was the only slice of luck they had in this game. Or oh, maybe bar from Edison, actually. Oh my <laughs> because, God. Yeah. Actually, well, actually. Oh no, actually. I think I'm talking myself out of this. If we're going to get this to way, that. Even if Manchester City <laughs> oh my hadn't, God. Got, hadn't been awarded this penalty, and if Manchester City had gone down to 10 men, I still think they would have won this game. So just for the record, Manchester City fans. I'm not coming for you yet. You're still going through no matter what, but. The fact that that penalty was given, outrageous decision. The Edison thing is the only thing I can think of is that he had two defenders behind him. So I think that's what saved him, the covering defenders. I don't know. Just how, how, how is that? Like, there's been a load in the Premier League, right? When, and uh, as well, where you just like weird handballs and you're just like, oh man. The problem that's is so it affects like... how you're meant to defend then because then people second guess themselves. And that's the last kind of decision you need going to the knockout stages of the Champions League. To be honest though, I think this is down to how the laws are written. Okay, yeah, right, right. Because it's now coming to the psychology and unnatural the law and yeah. like unnatural movement, blah, blah, blah. But what unnatural, how, where? Do you know what, you know, there are, you know, there's something, you know what VAR is like? You know how there are some words in the English language where the more you look at them, the stranger they look. Yeah. VAR decisions are like that. The more you look at a thing, the human psychology mm. maybe is just like, oh, that looks weird. Now, like the word mediocre or naive, you, you keep looking at those words and they're like, oh, that's a, well, like, Separate. There are some words when I look at separate or accommodate. When I look at certain words, more and more, I start misspelling them because I lose confidence in them. And I feel like VAR decisions are like that for some referees. I agree. You know how like in cricket when you get the, um, you get a certain amount of time before you can signal for a video review or not? Right, right. VAR decisions, you should get 20 seconds to look at the screen and you should get it a minimum of, no, you should get it a maximum of twice in real time Mm. and two replays. I think that's, uh, yeah, yeah. But the replay shouldn't be as slow as it is. So basically you can have it slower, but not the slowest. Because so many of the, so many of these decisions are given because you're like, you're looking at it in a, an, a reaction speed of the slow-mo. Yeah. I don't know, if you flick a chewing gum at me in slow-mo, you're going to be like, Rank, totally get out of the way of that. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, yeah. you, prob- you probably wouldn't hear me. Oh, but- wow. There he is. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> 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 so just flicked a chewing gum with that old woman. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? It's just like everything looks bad, slowed down. Yes. You should get rid of handball unless. Or just give all players gloves and make them all de facto goalkeepers, like rush goalie. But yes. You can only hand you can only you can only handle the ball if you're the designated keeper. There were one pair of gloves on either side of the goal. Yeah. And you can only save it when you have the gloves on? Yes. Because then you get this like goal mouth scramble where people are running for the gloves. <laughs> people wearing one hand each. Yeah. No, you have to have both. You have to have both on. But the thing is, it's like, imagine the scramble, imagine if someone's breaking through on goal and someone's like, instead of, instead of running to the fender, someone's running to the side of the goal to put the gloves on. You know who the first goalkeeper is? Ruben Diaz you know first, is absolutely abandoning his no. defensive responsibilities it's to go Rudiger. get the gloves. Rudiger's the first Rudiger. one. Rudiger's Doing the first one. Doing his funny run. <laughs> 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 Have there, we just fixed football? Has there ever been a defender 
more likely to throw the gloves on first than Rudiger. <laughs> uh, anyway, this this is all silly. Um, before we wrap up from the Champions League, let's talk about the last seven minutes of Porto Inter, which were That's what got absolutely yeah. wild. Not a huge amount else happened in this game. Porto were building to that crescendo the last seven minutes because they actually, of the two teams, played, I thought, the better attacking football. Um, some of their combination players as a box is really, really good. Uh, and they really put the heat on in the final uh, moments. They should be a bit disappointed actually to go out at this stage, I mm. think, because they ran into close. Um, obviously, Erto, both legs, superior, but the second leg, I thought Porto should be a little bit disappointed. I agree, especially that little 30 seconds in stoppage time at the end of the game. Yeah, Dumfries coming up very big with that clearance off the line. Huge. But there was goal mouth scrambles, hit the post, hit the bar. As Mark Wallace pointed out, the most stadio thing in the world happened where <laughs> Pepe got sent off for Porto in the 97th minute, but then it turned out that it wasn't the Pepe that you were all thinking of, so you got it catfished, which meant it was actually the most stadio thing that ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> genuinely uh, incredible I think that was the most incredible oh, yeah over the two legs I think into a good value for yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, both Milan sides through yes interesting didn't uh, James Horncastle point out without conceding a goal yeah both went through 1-1-0 in the first leg drew the second leg away, both away as yeah. well uh, very impressive from the from both Milan sides uh, the draw will take place on Friday, so basically, maybe if we have time, I'll mention it on Stadio mm. on Monday, or maybe, maybe part of your house. Up, yeah, yeah, maybe part of my hunterlog. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. All right, before we go, should we talk about the Rainer reports? Yeah, let's do it. The US soccer. US soccer report into the Rainer Berhalter fallout. So yeah, for those, just a quick recap. I mean, you'll all know this already, but so basically, um, Gio Rainer didn't play at the World Cup. Um, his commitment to training was questioned. Uh, by some in and around the camp. It was later leaked that um, one of the players that Bahalt was talking about as being below the level of performance was in fact Giorena. Um, and then in response to Giorena not making a start for the US in the World Cup, the Rainers released decades old allegations of an assault of Greg Bahalta, the US uh, men's national team coach, um, allegations of assault of uh, Greg Bauta on his wife as a kind of revenge, I suppose. Mm. And the allegation was that this was perhaps blackmail, that they'd been holding this information in order to coerce Greg Bauta into giving Gio Reyna first team opportunities. And US Soccer commissioned a report, a 40 page report, which was released a couple of days ago. And the findings of it are pretty, pretty damning for the Reyners, I would say, in summary. I think damning for the Rainers and overall just it's a really step back. If you want to, I know a lot of people are kind of going into this with popcorn and and Mm. stuff like that, but actually stepping back and looking at the human element of it, really, really sad. Yeah, overall, really sad. Um, the fact that uh, a friendship between four people that had gone back years and years and years 
was essentially done. Mm. And for what? And also just how a woman has had to have a 40-page report commissioned or see a 40-page report commissioned by a sporting entity which details a very personal situation. One of the worst things that might happen to her, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and um, dug up all of that trauma from so long ago. Mm. Uh, Family members were interviewed. Mm. Mm. It's just really grim. And also I feel like from a footballing sense, we've seen... Geo Reyna's stock fall massively. Mm. And also, to be honest, performances. Form. Yeah, performances yeah. too. You know, so there's, there's so many things going on here. So the first thing is, in terms of the US soccer um, report, the, the key findings are quite interesting. So the first thing is, there, well, there was, one, there was no finding, there was a finding there had been an assault. In fact, interesting enough, the assault was reported by Bahauta himself the day after it happened in 1992 to his coach and then his, his now wife, his then partner reported the assault separately the day after as well. So this, this news of this conversations about this came straight out. Right. Um, so that the, the, the facts are established. The assault did happen. Also established was that the Rainers did not blackmail or extort Greg Behalter because they weren't getting property in return for their release of this information or for threatening to release this information. Uh, there was not found to be a breach of, they questioned whether it might be a breach of the ethical code FIFA, but that wasn't a question that was answered, had to be answered. So in terms of material findings, there was no, in quotes, you know, guilty finding for the Rainers. Um, there was an establishment of fact of the assault. So that's all the legal stuff out of the way. It looks as if Bahauta will continue in this position because all members of the US soccer administration were aware of these allegations for many years. There was nothing new to them. Um, and there'd been a thorough, I suppose, investigation of them at the time. There'd been conversations repeatedly with people in the organization about the time. And the Bahauters had talked about this, and this was, in their own words, the foundation of the rest of their relationship. That's, that's their own words. What's interesting is where this leaves the Rainers as well, because it leaves them... The reason this is unsatisfactory is because, actually, I think that Greg Bahauter did not do a good job of coaching this US team in terms of the talent. Mm-hmm. I don't think he maximized the talent on the pitch. He. I'm, I'm not sure that he is the best person to get the best out of this team of players. It looks as if his position is, is strengthened as a result of this, as a result of this uh, inquiry. What this does to the Rainers, to Claudio Rainers, sorry, professionally, in terms of his legacy, I think it's now, I mean, it's, he's destroyed his legacy, I would say. This places him in some manner of a professional wilderness because he made this allegation, which was stood up, but the fact is he refused to be interviewed after it. And that, that to me just looks like, you know, really just, really just pure bad faith at this point. Mm. And of course, on a personal level, what it does for the relationship between the Rainers and the Behalters, we can assume that's now gone. What it does for his son. If, look, there's, there's, a, there's a phrase in the report that sticks out to me from a football perspective. It says, it talks about the periodic outreach that Rainer makes to US soccer to try and influence his son's playing prospects, right? So for the last six years, Let's just clock this. Claudio Reyn, one of the greatest players in the history of his national team, of his country, has been putting pressure on the authorities to pick a player they probably would have picked anyway, and ironically has inhibited his development because you look at Dortmund right now, and the best forwards of that club, you have to name them, you're looking at Makoko, Adeyemi, Bino Gittens, 
Brandt when he plays in the front three, Haller. Gio Reyna has slipped really far down. And at one point, he was ahead of the queue, actually. So in terms of his football prospects and the way that Dortmund play now, he is also in a professional wilderness, which is the least desired outcome. Like, this is brutal, but let me just say it. How the hell do you fumble it that badly? From Gio to providing Erling Haaland with one of the iconic assists, one of the iconic Champions League goals, to two years later, Gio Reyna not quite sure where his career or how his career is going to pan out. That is a, that's a bleak outcome. I think it's really sad, man. And just again, just kind of what did you expect was going to happen in a situation like this? I don't understand the logic behind it at the time. And I'm not going to, I don't want to like, I don't know any of these people. I don't want to question characters and all of this kind of stuff. But I just feel like Gio Reyna, from the moment, from the first moment we saw him play football, mm. professionally at least, because we didn't see him before Dortmund. Um, well, I didn't anyway. You may have done. But I didn't. Um, I was like, this kid is the real deal. Yeah, yeah. Like, this kid is going to be, he's going to be the best US men's national player for as long as he wants to be if he carries on progressing the, as as most players do at Dortmund. Mm, yes. You look at the you look at the stock that Gio, uh, that Jude Bellingham has, for example. Mm, That's yeah. what we expected Gio Reyna to have. Yeah. Maybe now, maybe a little bit in the future. Maybe that was us being a little bit over-optimistic, but we saw what happened with Bullisic beforehand and we were like, Reyna's the one. Yeah, absolutely. That is sad enough in itself mm. how it's going to affect this young footballer. But that's nothing compared to how, how all of this has brought up so much stuff from the past for a family that has really worked hard to move on from it. And like I said, for what? It's, just the, it's, it's all the worst elements of entitlement. You know, you, you have, we've seen, you know, the, the tennis dad is the old trope, you know, this, well, not, not trope, it's a reality, like the overbearing coach, mm. the overbearing parent, very often a dad just doing anything to advance the prospects of their child and actually ironically inhibiting the development of the child on the pitch and also off it. Mm. What a miserable, miserable outcome. Yeah. Um, because even when you do achieve it, let's say that this had worked, right? Let's say it had worked. Gio would have known at some point, oh yeah, like they threatened these allegations to come out. So I got on this stage. What does that do to you psychologically, actually? Over time, let's say that Gio did go on and become like one of the greats and may still, but let's say he went on and achieved all his potential and had won all these things. And he's brilliant. It's, it's outstanding. And he looks back and goes, dad, you, you, you became part of my founding myth. I would have got here without you doing that. This is the sad thing about all of it. He had the talent, right, for him to get there on his own bat and now it's not going to happen. And now in football, talk about like a problem for a club that buys you. Talk about, you know, just knowing that that is someone who basically was willing to burn the national team's prospects to the ground mm-hmm. just to get, just to put his son on. Just an awful, awful mess. An awful mess. And uh, the Rainers came out of it looking pretty bad at the time and they've come out of it with the report now looking even worse. Even, even worse. worse. Couldn't be contacted for interview. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was the quote from, in the report, which... Uh, in the impact of witness cooperation and demeanour, the Berhalters, we were impressed with Mr. Berhalters' candour and demeanour during the investigation. 
He cooperated fully and extensively with the investigation and our request for interviews. Uh, similarly, Mrs. Berhalter co- cooperated fully with the investigation and gave us no reason to doubt the information she provided. We were less <laughs> impressed with the Rainer's cooperation during the investigation. After several attempts to schedule an interview, we had two brief phone conversations with Mrs. Rainer on December 29th, and we did not succeed in having a follow-up conversation with her or any conversation with Mr. Rainer after that. Uh, after that. Mrs. Rainer's story evolved over the course of the investigation. Goodness. This is the thing about football, right? This is the problem with this stuff. This stuff. There are always new prospects. There will be another Martinelli 18 months from now. There will be another Saka four or five years from now. There'll be another Hudson-Odoi. Like, you look at the speed of turnover, wide forwards, creative players. You have your window. And there's a very mm-hmm. poignant moment, actually, watching uh, Eintracht Napoli, Napoli Eintracht, watching Mario Goetze, if aliens invaded Earth, well, not invaded, visited Earth, and we're like, oh, we're looking for the great Goetze. We saw his goal. How's he getting on? And nine years later, you show Goetze in the Frankfurt 11. They'd be like, oh yeah, good player, but we, that's the guy. That's the one that was meant to mm. be. And that's not a knock on Goetze. It's more that the window for maximizing your potential, and there's lots of reasons why Goetze didn't get where he could have gone, mostly beyond his control, you know, fitness, weight, not his fault. But my point being, there's a very, very small window for all the circumstances to fall into your place for you to be a successful creative player, particularly a smaller one, because of the way that football's evolving, right? And everything's got to go right for you. Everyone's got to be pushing in the same direction as you. And we've seen in football how very quickly, if you don't get that 18-month, two-year window right, you fall from a perch that you don't get back onto. Yeah. And that's my worry for, for Rainer at this point. Um, for Gio Rainer, sorry. That's my worry for him. Uh, he's a fine player. He's still very highly regarded in the dressing room. Uh, in the club um, at Dortmund. So I hope that, um, I hope he pulls through. You leave it there? Let's do it. All right, everyone. We hope you're all staying safe and well. Don't forget, we'll be back with our mailbag episode on Monday and a, and a little conceptual episode next week. A hallelog. Musa literally won't be able to stop me because he won't know <laughs> when I'm recording it <laughs> and he probably won't have any signal. <laughs> oh, the Thanks. things... I'm going to say. Good times. By the time Musa hears next week's podcast. This week alone, I've been cancelled twice. (laughs) 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 Musa finally gets some signal on Thursday after the second episode's gone out. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Other than that, don't forget to check Stadio on Twitter, Stadio Football on Instagram, and the Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. Speaking of which, we are playing out on the dub version of Movie Star by Melody Beecher, which is ugh, great stuff. It's so good, this dude. <laughs> <laughs> Stick with it to the end where the little vocal drops come in. Oh, so good. Anything you'd like to add, Musa Wonga? Nothing further. Take care of yourselves while, you I'm, take care. while I'm indisposed. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll see you soon. <laughs> and uh, well, will they? <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone, have a lovely weekend. Much love. We'll be back with you on Monday.
This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 